Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning into this segment of the show featuring our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. And thank you for your continued support. The show is currently ranked number two in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list, all thanks to your votes and your support of the show. We obviously have one place left we're trying to get to, and that's number one. So please continue to vote, and you can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. This is your show, and you are certainly showing that by your support and your votes. I appreciate it so very much. Enjoy this segment. Before we get started, I want to remind you one more time about our friends at the Macklemore. As you guys know, my buddies and I were up there again this year for our annual golf trip, and it was even better the second time around. Everything about what they have at the Macklemore is first class. The accommodations are great. The practice facility is wonderful and got even better when they opened up their Himalayas putting course earlier this year. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig has outstanding food and service. And to say the course is spectacular is an understatement. Can't say enough great things, folks. Go online to themacklemore.com to see how spectacular it is for yourself. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all going crazy about the place by going online to themacklemore.com. I also want to remind you about our friends at TaylorMade. Golf's an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their Stealth Irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a catback design and a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance throughout the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the Stealth Irons from TaylorMade Beyond Driven. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me, just like he has been every other week this season, is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tom will soon be back at his home in Naples, Florida, so if you want the best in the game to help you with your golf swing this winter, go see him at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club. If you can't get to Naples, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing through that app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, at TomPatry, and on Instagram, at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel, folks. Over 300 free video lessons are waiting there for you. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and I get to say this one last time for season number nine. Good evening, TP. How are you, my friend? Good boy. <laughs> wow, that was underwhelming. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here, man. I'm alive. I'm still kicking, I promise. What a show. I mean, first of all, Matthew Lawrence, your favorite, my favorite, one of the all-time great guys, and, and I didn't know about the Junior League, Please convey to him if I can help him in any way. I'd love to do it. Hal Sutton and I played college golf at the same time, so I watched that. I watched that beatdown of my golf game on a regular basis. He's a, he's a hell of a player, man. I mean, we all know about his professional career, but his his amateur career, Chris, and his his college career was one of the greatest of all time. And and uh, that 9/11 documentary, which I've seen, uh, was was very moving. I had seven friends in those towers, so that was a that was a hell of a piece that Ross did. 
Yeah, looking forward to having all of them. And we're going to talk in length about that 9-11 uh, documentary that Ross did. So I'm looking forward to hearing all the ins and outs about it. You're right. It was a very important piece of film. So I'm with you. There was. Tom, I haven't had you on the show since Hurricane Ian made landfall not all that far from your house in Naples. How is everything at your house and in the surrounding area as well? Yeah, Chris, you know, and, and golf is the last thing on our mind. Let's not be selfish. I mean, so many people lost you know, everything they had in their life, their home, their possessions, uh, you know, everything they've worked their whole life for. So first and foremost, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Um, Patrick, Patrick residence in Naples is beyond skip. We also, as you know, Chris, have a, have a vacation home in Key West. And I, and I, when the storm first turned north towards Cuba, that was, that was like a bullseye. And, and I don't know how Key West all these hundreds of years has survived, uh, that little tiny island only 90 miles from Havana, but, uh, it, it jogged left and this Key West and we got, we got blessed there too. So we were really, really lucky. As far as Crown Colony is concerned, they got hammered. It turned in right there. They were right, you know, we're, Crown Colony is only, uh, four miles from the Sanibel Causeway. That, 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 you know, everybody knows that Causeway has been ripped to shreds and that's at Sanibel Island and Fort Myers Beach and Fort Myers. Um, the golf course itself, we have three pretty big bridges that uh, work over estuaries on the club. They're all gone. The pump station was ripped to shreds. Uh, the irrigation ship uh, situation was ripped to shreds. Our cart barn was ripped to shreds. We lost the entire cart fleet. Um, massive flooding on the golf course. Paul Bacon, our superintendent, and Dave Ken, our general manager, have done miraculous jobs along with our board. So much to the extent that we think the golf course will open next week. Um, wow. Nine holes anyway. The, one of the, one of the bridges on the back nine on 14 makes it impassable to play to complete the loop on the back nine. So we're working on getting that hopefully back up and running, which will take some time in terms of materials and, and later, because let's, let's face it, a bridge on a golf course is not a priority right now when you have people that are homeless and, and things like that going on. So I guess in the grand scheme of things, we're pretty lucky, but uh, so many people just got their ass handed to them, and it's just terrible. Um, the, the pictures uh, I've been sent, besides what we've seen on the news, have been uh, heart-wrenching. Um, you know, I, I have people that have been impacted. My outside operations manager has a pretty massive hole in the roof of his house. And, uh, you know, the stories go on and on and on. Um, so our thoughts and prayers are certainly with him. It was, it was, uh, it was devastating. Yeah, hundred percent. We certainly are continuing to pray for the people who live along the path that Ian took across the state of Florida. Folks, you can help by going online and do- donating at redcross.org. Tom, when it comes to the impact that the storm is having, like I say, on golf and the local economy and PGA professionals like yourself, talk about the damage that salt water and flooding are going to have on the local golf courses down there, plus the seasonal residents who may or may not have a house to come down to this winter and the trickle down effect that that's going to have on you, your peers and the winter season down in southwest Florida. Yeah, Chris, I mean, I don't know if people outside of Florida really understand the word pastel. The pastel was a, a salt-tolerant hybrid grass that was created a few years back that um, if your golf course is pastel, which Crown Colony happens to be, it's extremely saltwater tolerant and, and, and can, can sustain that kind of impact of salt water once it, once it dissipates. Bermuda grass is a different story. Uh, so for the clubs that haven't regressed in pastel, and were underwater for any length of time and had Bermuda grass, they will probably lose their entire golf course, uh, which means they'll have to go through a regress. And 
this winter, for all intents and purposes, will likely be dead. Um, so they'll be severely impacted. Um, their memberships will be impacted, and obviously their golf operation will be impacted uh, in a very critical way. Um, the big, you know, for me personally, and people who do what I do for a living in terms of teaching, the big question mark right now is, and I, we don't know the answer yet, how many of my students who normally come to Florida as winter birds, um, homes are impacted or don't have a home to come to, or is partially damaged and don't want to come down until it's repaired, um, and then probably be almost impossible for them to find a rental for the winter because everybody's in the same boat scrambling for a rental if they do want to come down. And how many people will just say, I'm not going down this winter, period? So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to my winter. I, I, I could I could be fine. I could be a little bit below average, or I could be, you know, severely impacted by a lack of business because we don't have the numbers in Florida that we normally have during the winter. So these are all question marks that we don't have the answers to right now. Um, and obviously myself and people who do what I do for a living across that, that region are have their fingers crossed. Uh, we have no way of really knowing the answer to those questions yet. Well, we're all going to continue to pray for everybody down there who has been impacted in any way. And folks, you can go online to donate at redcross.org. I highly recommend and, and, and plead with you. Please help our friends out in South Florida. Let's get them all back in their houses and on their feet as soon as possible. Tom, let's switch gears. And the last time we talked on the show, we talked a little bit about Tom Kim, a guy who could be the next big thing in the game of golf, played really well at the President's Cup. Then he goes out and wins this past weekend at the Shriners Children's Open. And not only did he win, he played all four rounds without making a single bogey. Shot 65, 67, 62, 66. Wins the golf tournament by three. We'll talk more about the finish of that golf tournament in a moment. But I want to get your thoughts on what we're really now starting to see from Tom Kim. Listen, Tom Kim obviously obviously is undeniably an incredible talent. A young talent, 20 years old, has played uh, an incredible stretch of golf. I mean, incredible. Um, but just like I always caution people in, in these these flashes come along. Are they a flash? Are they sustainable? Uh, we're always, it seems like we're so anxious right now. We're over anxious to anoint a new king since Tiger is not quite Tiger anymore. We, we, we want that next Tiger Woods. And, and listen, Tom Kim may, may turn out to be a, an incredibly good world class superstar, but we have a long way to go to see somebody do what Tiger did and what Jack did before him. Um, and listen, I, I think the, the kid, if you saw his, his talk after he came off 18 green on Sunday, he's very well spoken. He's very classy. He's very, very grateful. Uh, he said all the right things. I thought he was extremely sincere, but we're always over anxious to anoint the next superstar. And it's, it's a little bit too early yet as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, a hundred percent with you. But when is it appropriate? Right. I mean, I think we got to think about it. you're right. We all want to jump on. Oh, he's, you know, if he wins another time, oh, it's the next Tiger. I mean, he's won two times in his last four outings. Right. He's won twice on the PGA Tour, younger than anybody else has ever done it. Beat Tiger by six months, getting his second PGA Tour win. So, yeah, everybody is already on the starting line. We want to say he's the next. Right. But when is that, do you think, appropriate? If he wins a third time, well, if he wins a major or, or do we really need to say, you know, hey. 
come to because we've seen Dustin Johnson win 20 times and all that sort of stuff. Come talk to me when he gets to 25 and 10, or, you know, with respect to majors. When do you think it's right? Well, Chris, I mean, the first of this test is going to be in April, right? We're all going to be putting a lot of heat on him and, and a lot of eyeballs on him in a, at Augusta, right? So that'll be the first witness test. And then obviously the, the three majors that follow that this year, uh, World Golf Championships, you know, key, key events that are a little bit larger and grander than the next, and the Tournament Players Championship, things like that. And, and you know, think about how much pressure he has as you get closer to April, you know, because everybody's now eyeballs on him, full hands on, all hands on deck. So, There'll be some stopping points where we'll take a little, you know, a little counting of how he's played and how he's responded to the pressures of that spotlight. Um, but listen, he, he has all the equipment. He, he swings the club beautifully. He drives it beautifully. He, uh, he, he rolls the ball in the greens beautifully. He seems very calm in his demeanor. He's having a great time. He plays pretty loose. You know, he's got all the tools. So it just, it just, what does he do with them now? And, and, and uh, what are the stops along the way? How does he perform at certain key stops? You talk about his swing, and that's another thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on because he looks so smooth out there. It reminds me of Freddie or Ernie Els. There doesn't appear to be a lot of stress on any part of his body. He doesn't seem to be. He's not a, a Justin Thomas out there swinging out of his shoes. Everything just seems to be nice and fluid, and the ball still goes a long way. What are your thoughts about his swing? Yeah, I, I break down. I break down golf swings very, very rudimentarily, Chris, on tour to, uh, into two categories, swingers and hitters. You know, Arnold was a hitter. Um, Jack, to some degree, was a hitter. Um, Tiger was kind of a combo. Uh, Freddie's definitely a swinger. VJ was a swinger. I think Tom Kim is a swinger. I think one of the great things about swingers is they tend to last longer because, like you just said, Chris, it's a great point you made. They put less stress on the body. And we know how much golf these guys play now, how long the season is and how many, how many events they play, um, and how that lower back and shoulders and, and, and elbows and, and, and wrists hold up under pressure with, you know, over time and the wear and tear the body takes. So swingers tend to last a lot longer and I think that was stress. Um, so I think in that, in that department, certainly he's got, he's got thumbs up right there. Tom, when you, when you look at his three-stroke margin of victory, and for those who didn't watch the tournament, you just saw what the final leaderboard looks like. Well, you think, well, he must have just cruised on home. But he and Patrick Cantlay are tied on the 72nd tee, and Cantlay elects to try to play it safe with the three-wood off the tee, and ended up, unfortunately, pull hooking it into the waist area. What would you make of his decision to pull three-wood and then having it backfire on him? Well, I, you know, I, I, I was a little confused, Chris, frankly, by it. He, if you watch the back nine in the last round, which I did, Cantley swung the driver beautifully all day long. I mean, just piped it all day long. And then he gets up 18, and, and Tom Kim, if you looked over in that film, already has driver out in his hand, and Patrick pulls three-wood. And, you know, sometimes, and I, I don't, listen, I, I wasn't there, and I'm not in his head, so I don't know what he's thinking, but, Sometimes you get a little too conservative coming down the stretch and the juices are flowing and you make that kind of guidey type of swing, things don't work out very well. And it looked to me like a very guidey type of swing, like he was trying to protect and, and not really swing at it. And he swung at it beautifully and aggressively with the driver, the whole back nine. So I think he kind of might have overthought the situation and backed himself into a little corner and, and, and just made the wrong swing at the wrong time. I, I didn't expect it. I don't think anybody else, and I'm sure he didn't expect it. But he, but he did it, and and then just compounded it by, you know, making a complete mess of the golf hole. Um, 
And, it, and let's not forget, he made seven to tie for second, but he made a 30-footer or a 25-footer to make seven to tie for second. Um, right. So uh, it, it was it was it was not it was not pretty. Was it was hard to watch. That leads to my next question, Tom, about how fragile a golf tournament is. One bad decision, one bad swing, like we saw from Cantlay, can cost you the tournament, which is the same thing we saw earlier this year with Mito Pereira when he was trying to win the PGA Championship. Talk about the fragile line between winning and coming in second. And what about Danny Willett, right, just a couple of weeks ago, right? I mean, right. It's, it, it, people don't realize that when you win a golf tournament at that level, a lot of things, a lot of things go your way. You know, let's talk about Freddie at the Masters on the bank on number twelve, right? We can go, we can go to so many different situations. Um, you know, Ricky Fowler hitting it to the right of the pin on seventeen of the Tournament Players Championship coming down the stretch when he won there. I mean, so many things go right when you win. You make a bad swing, but it turns out okay. It gets safe for some reason, and then somebody chasing you makes one bad swing at the wrong time. I can'tly did, and, and it, you know, it implodes. There's such a fine line out there between between winning and losing on that tour when you have 144 players gathered at the same site on a Thursday. So many things have to go right for you to win a golf tournament. Um, so many, uh, and I, I don't think the public really realizes over the course of four days because they don't see every shot a guy hits over four days. How many things might have gone his way? A good line, a bunker, a ball, maybe rolling through a divot and into a good lie, uh, you know, a putt that was hit too hard, catching this dead center of the hole and popping up and going in. You know, we've seen all kinds of different crazy things happen. And conversely, we've seen some awful breaks off of not very bad shots sometimes, you know, turn out to be a disaster. So it's such a fine line, Chris. It really is. Let's take that a step further, Tom. You, you mentioned Ricky Fowler. And we've seen some young players go from being dominant or at least at the top of leaderboards on a regular basis. We saw Jordan Spieth go through a slump, but he came out on the other side. Unfortunately, Ricky Fowler has not. As an instructor, how do you help a player like Ricky, who has been very close? We know he's finished second in, in several majors. Now he's struggling to make cuts on any regular basis. How can you help a guy like Ricky find his way back? Well, I think one of the things Ricky did recently, and I think it's going to pay dividends for him, is he he went back to Butch. Um, I think that's going to be, a, a, you know, it's going to turn out to be a good and a productive move. I, I I'm a big Ricky fan. Uh, I don't know Ricky at all, uh, but I, I I enjoy watching him play, and I I enjoy the personality and interaction and what he gives back to the game on a regular basis. Um, so I'm I'm praying that you know Butch turns him around. But boy, when you get going the wrong way in this game, sometimes Chris and 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 Thing, the, the momentum goes the wrong way. We saw it with Ian Baker Finch in his career that you know he went, he, he was playing on his way to maybe being the best player in the world and got derailed a little bit trying to make a swing change and never found his way back. Same thing with Wayne Levy going way back in, in time. Um, so it, it's very fragile, man. It's so fragile this game and and the psyche of the player is so fragile. Uh, as a coach, you have to, you really, it's a skill. It's a real skill set the coaching part, not the teaching part of saying the right thing at the right time, you know, and not being overzealous about what you say, but just, you know, pushing the right buttons. It's, you can go the wrong way as a coach and, and make a real mistake with these guys by opening your mouth too much. Sometimes there's a, there's a lot of moving parts out there and, it, and it's, it's really fragile. 
Tom, just a couple more before I let you go. And by the time we get back together on this show, we'll be looking forward to the Masters. Do you think when invitations go out for the 2023 Masters, does one <laughs> arrive at the house of Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Sergio, Cam Smith? Do they get to go out to the mailbox and, and see an invitation in there? You know, it's been, it's been awful quiet, hasn't it, from Augusta. With all this with all this live stuff that's gone on and all these things we've read and, and all the comments that have been made on both sides and and tempers have certainly flared and it's been very emotional. Very quiet in Augusta, Georgia, isn't it, Chris? I mean, I I kind of, you know, I know what I'd like to see happen, but I don't think it's going to. I don't and think that Rizzi will pull the Well, I don't I, I think I I'd like to see him uh asked to stay at home. You know, I'd like to see him take a pass on him myself. Um but I don't think the Masters will do that. I don't think Fred Ridley will do that. Uh, I don't think it's their style to do that. They they kind of be, I think they're going to be unemotional and neutral spectator to this whole debacle. Um, but I, I'm certainly with with our next guest, Mr. Matthew Lawrence. Uh, and I, and I I hate the word hate. I really don't like the word. I don't. I try not to use the word. But I have a hard time not using it when it comes to my feelings about Liv Golf and Greg Norman and what's gone on there. Tom, we can't let you go without getting a playing lesson from you. As we were talking earlier on, we don't know what the winner is going to to bring. We don't know how many people that I know you like to say, get on JetBlue and come see me down in Fort Myers. We can't do that. What it, What are some indoor drills that we can do so that we don't get to spring and have, you know, now all of a sudden our swings are really rusty. We haven't picked one up in a while. What can we do indoors to keep the rust off of it? Well, Chris, I, I don't think that there's any secret. We've talked so much about this, and so many instructors do, but they're north and contingent. But, you know, you, you've got to have a place uh, in your garage, uh, in a room with a high ceiling, on your back one eye, somewhere where you can swing a golf club. Uh, I love the Orange Whip as a product. that people know what that is, they can look it up online. I love them swinging that all winter long. And I, and I don't mean – and here's the thing. I don't mean swinging it once a week. I mean swinging it 15, 20 minutes a day, every day. Don't let your body get what I call golf stagnant. Uh, you always have to be making motions with some kind of toy like an orange whip. Just keep your body and your golf muscles alive. Don't let them get stagnant for too long. And then certainly, as you know, my favorite mantra is short game, short game, short game. And everybody should have, everybody should have a putting mat in their house somewhere where they can roll the ball and, and keep their feel and touch alive. Uh, and then, and then the third thing I always suggest, Chris, is, you know, you gotta, you gotta get off the couch and do some stretching. You know, you gotta, you gotta be stretching your body every day. I, I do it twice a day and then PM. Uh, even though I'm an old, old fat guy, I, I, I stretch those muscles every day. Um, AM and PM, you gotta do some kind of stretching to keep your body golf centric. So if you do those three things, the orange with a putting mat and you do some stretching, you know, you, you can stay in the ball game. And then you get that, you get that Indian summer day, you get that warm day. And the local driving range opens, you know, go down there and, and get some live action in. Definitely hit some shots. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners now, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Find you on your website, find you on social media, and then if possible, come see you at Crown Colony. Chris, more importantly, how about the ranking on, on, on the podcast rankings of Chris Mascaro next on the T in the football show? Let's talk about that. 
And let's talk about the viewers, making sure they get those votes in for you each and every day and certainly each and every week and the great job you do. And then bringing guests on like my man, Matthew Lawrence, coming up, Hal Sutton, you know, and so many great people and instructors. That's what's more important to talk about. And then my final comment will be before I let you go is please <laughs> say some prayers to those people down in Fort Myers. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Again, redcross.org, folks, go out there and donate so we can get these folks back up and on their feet and safe again. My goodness, nothing is more important than our friends down in Florida and getting them back in their home soon. Tom, I can't thank you enough for this season. You're fantastic, my friend. I love you. Wouldn't want to do this show without you. you. Thanks, buddy. Have a great time. We'll, we'll, we'll talk certainly off the, off the air, you know, almost every week. And uh, I love what you do, pal. You're the best. I appreciate you, TP. Take care. Stay safe, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Bye, pal. Okay, buddy. See you, Tom. Again, that's the great Tom Patry. At Tom Patry on Twitter. At Tom Patry Golf on Instagram. TomPatry.com is the website. And his uh, his YouTube page, folks, like we say every every other week when he comes on, 300 free playing lessons for you. And as Tom said, and I'm a huge proponent of the Orange Whip as well, get out there and get swinging, whether wherever you can get inside, in your garage, like I say, in a sunroom or someplace that's got high ceilings. That's a great piece of advice to keep those golf muscles in shape over the wintertime. Tom is just a fantastic instructor, folks. If you have an opportunity to go down to Fort Myers, you should do it. And if you don't, then you should send him videos of your swing through the V1 video app. And, uh, he'll get you, he'll get you up to date and ready to go. By the time the, the spring thaw comes, you're going to be beating your buddies and getting in their pockets. So be sure to do that. Tom is fantastic. I love him. We'll catch up with him soon.